Hey there, language lovers. I'm Shannon Kennedy, co-host of the Language Hacking Podcast. And joining me today, as always, is Benny Lewis. We're here today with one of our Fluent in Three Months Challenge winners, Jessie, who learned Catalan, her partner's native language. They are both here with us, in fact, to share their story. Jessie's going to talk about her experience learning her partner's native language. And Enrique will be sharing his experience sharing his native language with his partner. In this episode, we talk about things like tackling a language like Catalan, which has few resources, what it's like to have your partner learn your native language, how to help your partner learn your native language, the benefits of doing more than one fluent in three months challenge, how Jesse's language learning inspired Enrique to start language learning too, and the value of community in language learning. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast, and we hope you do, we would appreciate your reviews. You can let us know what you think and what you enjoy most so that we can keep doing more of it at languagehacking.com slash review. Now let's get on to our interview with Jesse and Enrique. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 42. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. We're here today with one of our Fluent in Three Months Challenge participants and winners, Jessie, who learned Catalan, her partner's native language, and Enrique, or Kike, as you'll hear him called throughout the podcast. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Jesse, beyond the obvious reason of wanting to learn your partner's native language, was there more motivation behind that decision? Yeah, I guess I probably have a similar story to a lot of people in the sense that I always thought growing up that learning a language or being fluent in a different language would be just really cool. Um, my parents were diplomats, so I spent a lot of my childhood abroad, um, but often, well, we were always sort of in that sort of expat bubble where they, they all speak English. So as a child, you don't really recognise the the value of learning a language in the when you're in that country. Um, and I think as I got a bit older, I was sad that I hadn't sort of tried to grab grab onto the, the chance to learn some of these these languages. Um, so when I was a teenager at school, I learnt or studied French and Spanish, um, as you do um, in the UK, um, and took Spanish until I was 18. Um, then I went off to university. I studied chemistry at university, so totally different to, to languages, and there wasn't the option to sort of continue with the language on the side at my university. Um, so it kind of my although my interest was there I just kind of got lost with it all um so when I met Kike um I graduated from my my degree uh and started a PhD in chemistry um started working in a lab as was Kike at the time and that's how we met um and I remember being um quite excited I was like oh great this is someone Spanish I can maybe sort of uh, pick up my Spanish again and practice Spanish um, which was which was exciting. Obviously, we, we were just friends to begin with. Obviously, that developed into something a bit a bit more later on. Um, and I remember being really <laughs> I don't know if disappointed is the, is the right word, but disappointed when I realised that actually Spanish wasn't Kike's sort of primary language. It was actually Catalan or even Menorquin, which is a dialect of of Catalan. Um, and thinking ah. Oh, Oh great! Now I've got to learn another one as well. <laughs> um, at the time, that seemed like a massive, a massive challenge. Now I'm way more optimistic about it and actually really excited about it. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's 
that's kind of it. That's kind of how I got to where, where I am now. So how did you, uh, after initially taking on Spanish, what was your approach to tackling Catalan? Because it's obviously got a lot less, uh, a, lot, a lot fewer resources available to it. It's not a typical language a lot of um, non-Catalan speakers tend to learn. So how did you begin this challenge? Um, it began sort of at the beginning of the pandemic, actually. Um, I, just, I finished my PhD March 2020, so sort of exactly when the pandemic hit. I was going to have six months off before starting my new job, go traveling, have a great time and do all those bucket list things. Obviously, none of that happened because because of the pandemic. And I figured, um, what's how can I use my six months off productively? And I remember being on Google and sort of Googling everything, sort of how to become fluent as quickly as possible, um, Catalan courses, um, this kind of thing. And obviously the Fluent in Three Months Challenge um, popped up and I, I signed up for that. I thought at the time that it was something that I would have to do with six months off because I thought it would it would have to be a sort of full-time commitment otherwise I wouldn't be able to fit it in with my busy lifestyle all of these things um but actually the week that the challenge started I actually did start a job supporting the Department of Health in in the UK so I I suddenly became very very busy just as I thought I was not going to be busy at all and have time for this language and over those few months it um I managed to I managed to make it work obviously and learn how to fit a language learning sort of into into my my life there um and to be honest I went in quite blind in terms of how I approached learning Catalan with with it being a sort of slightly slightly more of a minority language compared to something like Spanish um I just sort of signed up for the fluent in three months challenge and kind of was just very open about it and said okay well let's see what happens um and of course through the challenge there you get exposed to so many so many different ways of learning a language, different tools, different um, techniques. And through that, I managed to find all those little spots sort of on the internet, mainly where you can find all these different resources. And, and when you go digging, there's there's quite a lot for Catalan. Um, so it's sustained me. Yeah, I think when it comes to Menorquin, uh, the dialect of Catalan that, that Kike speaks and his family speaks, there's definitely a much more limited choice there. But Yes, um, in terms of Catalan, it, that's kind of how I approached it. What about you, Enrique, from your perspective? What was your involvement in Jesse's learning Catalan and what was it like for you to have her learn your native language? Um, I think uh, my involvement in the process was uh, support a lot and uh, have hold conversations with her uh, as many times as we could and uh, explain as many things as I could. So I think these are the, the three things that I did. Um, I remember initially when, when she first came to Menorca, uh, she could pick up some certain, a few words and um, think a lot and craft a, a sentence that she could then speak out and uh, people would understand. But yeah, I had to be uh, translating a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, although at the beginning it was a bit um, hindering the conversation, you know, it... Uh, it paid out in the end uh, and now she can perfectly well perfectly but you know uh, communicate relatively uh, quick and effectively with my family and friends which is great so i think uh, you know it all came down to translating explaining a lot in the the initially then when she started this um, this challenge 
then things changed a bit because then she started coming with more um, concrete questions, grammar questions, uh, vocabulary questions, idioms, uh, expressions. And then, it, it, then I realized that, well, I started thinking that I didn't know as much Catalan as I thought as, as she came with uh, <laughs> quite specific questions that I didn't have an answer for. So, um, yeah, at some point, uh, inter I th we had to uh, use internet uh, to um, explain certain things, certain concepts. And um, that was a very good uh, way to um, help her. And as she uh, progressively uh, was more capable of speaking, then we started speaking Catalan at home more often, uh, trying to hold uh, longer conversations. And I think it was the, the, con the consistency that, that helped greatly there. So what I find very interesting is that um, the two of you have been able to use this language that um, you've literally just started to, to learn in the last year together as a big part of your relationship. And a lot of other people find this very difficult, that if they've established the, the relationship in a language like English or like Spanish, that it will stay in that language forever. And maybe they're, they're able to start communicating with uh, the family of their partner, but it can be an interesting uh, transition. So how did you make that transition and how were you able to sustain it? Because you can always fall back on a language that both of you are able to communicate in at a high level. So how are you able to maintain it without it straining the relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think to begin with, in terms of I definitely agree that it can be really easy to just fall back into English because that's what what we're used to and that's where how our relationship was established um, through English. Um, but I guess to begin with, when I was, oh, I'm still super excited about learning it. I love it. But at the you know in the beginning stages, that was all new. So I was, I guess, I was just quite persistent. <laughs> so even when I couldn't speak very well <laughs> or very coherently, I would still. Um, pester you <laughs> Kike <laughs> um, and we would maybe just sort of have a, a short conversation sort of over dinner or just you know over the phone if we were chatting just for, for 10 minutes or for example when we were um, sort of still working together we don't anymore but there was a bit of time where we were and we would use sort of a bit of Spanish or maybe Catalan um, to begin with as well to you know just to gossip things like that because <laughs> you know that no one around you can understand <laughs> um so I think in terms of this bringing it into our relationship it was those little little moments um sort of defined moments where we would say right for this 10 minutes we're going to have a conversation in in Catalan this is what we're doing now and it it gradually starts to those conversations get a bit, bit longer or um, you kind of spontaneously start a conversation in in the language because you're getting more, particularly me, I suppose, I'm getting more comfortable, comfortable, um, or confident with it. So yeah, that that's how it how it was really. Um, I think there are some other aspects as well in terms of when I was digging around for Catalan resources, I would come across things such as a TV series in Catalan um, that had no English translation and no English subtitles. Um, so we had to watch it in Catalan and so we did, you know, I, we'd bring that into our, our routine, um, as well. So it wasn't just the conversations and the speaking, but also sort of listening and yeah, I think 
as you said, there's also that aspect of being able to talk with each other's families. So my family don't speak a word of Spanish or Catalan and Kike's family don't speak a word of English. So when we, we both spend a lot of time with our families um, and that, that does help because it means when you're in a group together, you, you have to use one or the other language, which then normalises that language between you. Yeah, I would say pa- paellas because Kike loves his paellas. So we have so many, so many of them with all his friends and family. And that's always that's always a Catalan time. <laughs> so you kind of start to have these these defined moments or defined activities that that bring that language into your life together. Would either of you say that? Uh, any aspects of your relationship have either changed or deepened because you each speak one another's native languages now? I think um, for me, d- yeah, definitely being able to now speak Catalan to, to an extent. <laughs> um, I would say yes. I think, Kike, your level of English was really, really good when we sort of began anyway, so we were off on the right right foot there. <laughs> um, but for me, yes, definitely, because... As I, as I mentioned, his family don't speak any English, so that the first few times that I met them, it was really quite limited. Um, we couldn't have much of a conversation without Kike constantly translating. Um, and obviously now, as was mentioned, I can sustain a conversation with them, which has been really nice because, for example, I was lucky enough uh, to spend a few weeks with him in Menorca last November with his, his mum. And because I could sort of start off a conversation with with his mom in Catalan, we kind of bonded over things like um, her being able to show me baby photos of Kike <laughs> and tell me the stories behind each of them. You know, it's sort of thing that is kind of like a rite of passage in a lot of relationships, I think. But because I hadn't been able to speak Catalan before then, I hadn't been able to have that experience. Um, so I guess... I feel like our relationship has deepened um, because I now know him through his friends and family in a way. So I can I can learn about who he is from their perspectives and their experiences with him, um, which of course he shares his perspective and his he tells me his stories. But it's always fun to hear them from other people as well, especially when it's things like childhood stories which you know he might not want to tell me but him his mom would love to <laughs> so so yes for me the answer to that question is, is yes I think learning Catalan has made me um yeah get to know him in a different way so uh of course you mentioned that you had come across the challenge and the three months challenge has been a, a big aspect of how you've driven your Catalan forward and one thing that we request of people in the challenge is to make update videos along the way and generally they'll find the language teacher that they may have a conversation with that they'll record but of course you did this uh, throughout the time uh, with Kike so um, what uh, what was that like in terms of you know the two of you are going to be publicly sharing um, this this journey like through the videos and they, they were quite adorable actually in seeing them so how did that come across what was your experience in using those videos as your update? Um, <laughs> yeah, they were good fun. Uh, I kind of, I guess, I think you were a bit bewildered by it to begin with, weren't you, Kike? Because you weren't really sure what, what, <laughs> what was going on. Um, but I, I kind of pushed for it because I figured that the whole reason I was doing the, the Fluent in Three Months Challenge 
to learn Catalan was to be able to speak to him in Catalan. So it made perfect sense to me to to make those videos with him in Catalan. And, and actually that that did help going back a, to what we were talking about earlier also helped us to establish that ability, that sort of habit of speaking Catalan between us was through those videos, which was really great. Um, I think I probably was quite nervous um, because especially those early videos, it was kind of the first time we were s sitting down to have a proper long conversation in Catalan. So I was a bit worried about how he would, <laughs> he would re react. Um, but but yeah, it was um, it was a lot of fun. Obviously, a massive sense of accomplishment when we sort of stopped to record. Um, and those videos we actually sent over to his his mum as well. <laughs> so I thought she, I think she found them quite funny. What what about you, Kiki? You were smiling. <laughs> yeah, I must confess that um, I was a bit uh, confused at the beginning. Um, I think it was the first time I found myself uh, having to hold a conversation for fifteen minutes. Uh, I had no idea what we were talking about. Um, I, I didn't know um, what the expectations were. So I was a bit terrified at the beginning, but then uh, I, th I think we, we, we ran over time. So uh, clearly I ended up uh, enjoying it. So um, yeah, it was it was great fun. I think that it was uh, when I realized that for the first time we could have a conversation, simple, but a long conversation with no need of translating every second. So it was quite um, rewarding after all the translating that I had done and helping <laughs> uh, the previous months. So um, yeah, as she said, it was a bit of a, felt like I had achieved something, uh, had, uh, I achieved helping her through the journey. So it was quite, quite rewarding for me too. Uh, Jesse, you've done several challenges now. Uh, what brought you back to the challenge? Yeah, so I did the the original challenge and then I went straight into the advanced challenge, mainly because I was having such a great time, to be honest. Um, it was teaching me so much about how to make language learning fun. Um, and I, I felt um, that the natural progression would, would be to move on to the advanced challenge and to, to see what I could uh, make out of that. Um, a part of it was also about staying in touch with that community because um, it's... it's everyone sort of agrees that the community is so great. And, and I definitely am one of those people that agrees with that. So I loved having people there who shared the same interest uh, to do with language learning. And, and I wanted to maintain that for as long as possible. I'm now a member of the alumni channel as well. So still, still taking part in that as much as I can. And I think as well, I was still, still am really trying to establish my, my routine and my methods and I think three months was not in the first three months for me was not enough time to try out all of the different things that I wanted to try out in terms of techniques and um, apps or websites or whatever it is so I, I saw the advanced challenges as a sort of extension of the playground I guess to keep learning about what what was out there what I could start using um, and to find out which of those techniques and tools suited me suited me the best. Very good. And Kika, what was your experience uh, from the outside of seeing Jesse's progress throughout the challenge? And uh, what do you feel uh, about the challenge and how it's changed in, in her language learning experience? I, I think um, I was quite impressed at uh, how quick, quickly she learned. Um, 
I remember when I learned English and it wasn't as quick, not as efficiently. So uh, I was very impressed at the progress she made that quickly. I really enjoyed the journey and I thought that um, it was really uh, engaging for her. She she seemed very excited about it, uh, which I was a bit uh, also surprised because sometimes, you know, you have fun, but to an extent, a lot of people uh, set a timeline and they, you know, a bit of a sense of uh, obligation sometimes but for her it was like she was very excited uh, she she kept on you know doing extra things to learn more so you know i i, I, I was quite impressed um and uh, at how much fun she was having and uh, how much uh, engaging it was for her so um, um yeah i think that's it you had mentioned being impressed by her and a little bit before we started recording this, we were all chatting about how her language learning journey has perhaps inspired you to start learning languages as well. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so I'm from a tiny island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea called Menorca. Yeah. For me, learning languages was not um, regarded as a useful thing at the time because we islanders are quite isolated from the rest of the world and believe that if we get by there then what's the need of uh, learning other things so i think this is the the sort of you know close-minded uh, mindset that we might might have sometimes uh, then i went to barcelona where i studied my uh, degree and uh, I had to learn Catalan because I realized that actually Menorquin was quite different to Catalan and that my friends would not understand me most of the time. So I sort of started realizing that it was important to change my accent, start learning new words, that the communication was more effective. I could uh, transmit my personality better by improving my skills on Catalan. Spanish, I had spoken Sp Spanish for many years. So for me, that, that was already a, a language that I could speak. But Catalan, I had to change multiple things. I think this was a bit of an eye-opening experience. Then uh, I went to 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 U I moved to UK to do my PhD and um, internships and other thing. And and there I went and I couldn't speak English. Uh, well, I could hold a very 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 simple conversation. I needed people to translate. Uh, it was a, a tough experience the first three months. I must confess, Jess Jesse helped greatly in learning English. <laughs> I think it was. The process of learning English, it was not only about being, increasing my capacity to communicate, but learning a new culture. So with the language comes a culture. And I found it quite rewarding to learn this culture as well as the language. I enjoyed being capable of speaking and not having to ask for, for words along the way. Um, this, all these little, all those moments that were rewarding that I saw as an achievement, yeah, because it had the learning didn't come easily. So I think this, this sense of achievement, the, 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 how rewarding it was, the, the, when you learn a new culture, you, it expands your horizons, your, your way of doing things. You, you can, you know, embed the best bits of that culture and, uh, you know, change your own. So I think that was, uh, overall, it's been a very good experience for me. I think uh, it's uh, it was very fulfilling from a personal point of view. And so I've always wanted to learn French. So I think that that's something I'll have to do now that I have finished my PhD and I suppose I'll have a bit more of time. And um, as a challenge and uh, 
different language because of the culture. And because I also uh, do uh, martial arts, um, I think Aikido, I, sorry, Japanese. I, I do Aikido, uh, which is, comes from Japan. So, you know, th this combination of things made me think that uh, I would enjoy very much uh, giving a go to Japanese, but the challenge uh, is significant. <laughs> I think what's um what I found quite interesting is that me and you, Kike, have learnt languages in totally different ways. So for you learning English and Catalan really, it was all about immersion. So you've moved you moved to Catalonia and then you moved to England and that's how you've learnt your languages. Whereas for me I haven't been able to do that. So with Catalan, for example, I, I started kicked that all off with the Fluent in Three Months Challenge and that taught me how to learn a language when I'm not in the country that speaks that language. <laughs> so I think I, because of that, and I can see that that's now possible, I think it's a common myth, really, that people believe that you can't learn a language without living in the country. And I've been sort of preaching that fact now to Kike <laughs> a little bit. Um, so I'm, I think with that interest that Kike had, already has for French and Japanese, as he mentioned, plus me learning how to do this this whole language learning thing from home we're now kind of bouncing off each other a little bit and getting maybe overexcited about it all and and sort of listing off all the languages that we we now want to learn <laughs> and hopefully we'll learn one of them together um french japanese or or otherwise <laughs> so i'm really curious how you were able to uh, open up menokin spe specifically because i've dabbled in catalan myself and there's uh, there are a decent amount of resources. It may not be a major European language, but it's it is an official language of Catalonia, and there are loads of books and materials that'll help you to learn the language. So if you put a little bit of effort in, you can definitely learn a language like Catalan. So even the non-major languages you can learn them. But Menokin is a is a completely different situation because I can't imagine what kind of resources you'd be able to to find in terms of traditional, like there's no podcasts for learning the language. There's probably not a ton of books about it. So how did you wrap your head around that? Uh, and how did you transition to trying to focus on that the uh, specifics to Menokin over Catalan? Yeah, it's definitely tricky. <laughs> um, and I think it probably is more of a long-term thing it's not I don't think you can be as quick when you're trying to learn a dialect such as Menorquin um but the way I've approached it the reason that I said said that is because um the way I've approached it or how I've had to approach it is through contact with people who speak Menorquin um so Kige's friends and family um I think Kike found it kind of amusing when I spent some time with him um, over in Menorca in November for those few weeks I mentioned because I basically st had to start my own Menorquin dictionary <laughs> so I'm just kind of collecting Menorquin words um, based on conversations with people from from Menorca and they might a lot of the time you kind of I can understand roughly what they're saying because they're, it's very similar to Catalan and then suddenly they'll throw in this this strange word that that definitely isn't Catalan and it's not Spanish and I have to sort of ask them and say hang on a second what, what was that word and then I'll write it down and then those words go into my my Anki uh, flashcard deck <laughs> and so in that sense it's a bit of a long long-term strategy um I do think that there are other ways as well. Uh, it's a bit harder to find these sorts of resources, but in learning Catalan, I have come across a number of 
uh, sort of documentaries or um, little articles and things about the differences between Catalan and Menorquin, um, because obviously in Catalonia, they're much closer to, to Menorca and, and it's more of a, a conversation conversational topic. Uh, so it, you do have to do a bit of digging, but they do exist. Um, and for example, what one documentary that I found the other day was was super exciting <laughs> it was a it was a documentary um a man from Barcelona went to Menorca and he was going around different parts of Menorca talking to Menorquins and asking them what their favorite Menorquin word was um and I remember this this really vividly because I was so excited I think I was texting you Kike throughout the whole the whole <laughs> documentary because he would they would flash up a big word in Menorquin on the screen and then then he would explain in Catalan what that word means <laughs> in Menorquin. So obviously all these words went into my Menorquin dictionary. Um, and there were a few moments where one of those words was a word that I recognised that Kike's mum was saying a lot when I was with her and I had never got to the bottom of what that word was, um, hadn't sort of asked her at the time, but it, it was bugging me. And then it came up in this documentary and I could make the link and those sort of eureka moments make it really, really re- rewarding um, and quite satisfying, um, definitely, when you when you do come across these resources like that. Um, so, so yes, I guess to summarise that, it's mainly through through speaking um, with Minorquins, with people from the area. Uh, of course, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be friends or family that you know personally. Um, I found a number of people sort of through apps online uh, sort of conversation exchange uh, was one online or a language part- when you try and find language per- partners through apps like tandem or hello talk for example there are a lot of people from Menorca, Mallorca who want to learn english and they get quite excited that you say that you want to learn Menorquin because there aren't there aren't many people who want to learn Menorquin um really if we're honest so i'm lucky because i have kike and his family you don't have to have sort of people that you know personally. There are lots of people who are online that will quite happily um, be conversation partners. Um, and then in learning the sort of the language from which that dialect emerges, Catalan in my case, that opens doors to learn the dialect because through that language you can come across other resources. Um, so it's not really a direct Englishman or keen thing that I can do, but it's a English Catalan Menorquin uh, approach that I take, which um, it's fun. It's is a challenge for sure, um, and it is not simple, but it's doable. You had mentioned before how powerful the community was in your learning journey. Could you give maybe a couple of specific examples of how being a part of the community helped you in learning? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it was more, not necessarily um, providing me with direct tools to learn Catalan. I didn't think that was what I got out of it, but I got out so much. I got out a a lot from the community um, through chatting and engaging with everyone, understanding what resources everyone else is using, what techniques that they like to use, how it works for them, if it doesn't work for them, all of those things. Um, And there are a few sort of moments for me which have sort of stayed with me because they they've really impacted my language learning. So, for example, I remember um, coming across sort of Anki for the first first time, not really knowing how to use it efficiently. Um, I was manually putting in all my individual flashcards to begin with, and that just took too long. So I posted a little comment on the in the 
Slack channel um, and there was this this girl Evelyn I think you actually interviewed her for a previous podcast um, and she was learning Korean I found her really inspiring um, it actually started, inspired me to learn Korean it's on my list of languages now watching her progress but she was super super helpful and really really friendly and she actually hopped on a a little zoom call with me to explain how you can import flashcards from excel into anki and that's sort of massively increased my efficiency with my flashcards and now i have this massive excel spreadsheet with sort of thousands of words that i import into my anki decks which i would never have figured out how to do without the community um so that 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 was a main sort of moment that sticks in my memory um i think there are other things as well about the community that have really changed my approach to language learning and sort of in the way that it introduced me to new tools and new people so for example inspiring polyglots such as yourselves um you all I didn't really know that this you guys existed really on YouTube and you're very sort of vocal and you produce all these amazing materials about techniques for learning languages all the you know videos of you speaking in these different languages and I just find those things really inspiring so I often end up in a because of the community you know I'll see a link and I'll click on it and I'll end up on a down a YouTube hole somewhere um where I discover a new a new technique such as um, the, the bi-directional translation technique. Um, so and I didn't know that existed before being a member of the Fluent in Three Months community. Um, and for sure, being a part of that community is, is how, you know, it's opened my eyes to things like that. So, so yeah, um, I think it's powerful. Definitely. It's not just about learning the language directly itself. It's about learning how to learn the language. Um, and I think that's what the community really gave me. Yeah. And as well as the community giving you that, you've also been very good at giving back to the community. And you're often among the first people to respond whenever a newbie comes along with a particular question. So that's the great thing about communities. It's a, it's a give and take as it were. And like you've become an, an icon yourself in within our community. So <laughs> that's something else to be proud of. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think I've ever been called an icon before. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one thing I, I did want to swing back to is you were saying that for the first couple of videos that you guys are uploading uh, together, that you noticed this change and that you were able to begin having these conversations without necessarily uh, relying on translations uh, so much. And uh, that's that's a great place to be. But I know a lot of people listening who maybe want to start learning with their partner may not quite be at that stage yet. So I'm, I'm interested to hear how did the dynamic work when you were very first, when you very first had, had those conversations in Catalan that required a lot of translations and how did you work through those? Like what tools did you use? Were you looking things up on your phone? Were you just translating um, like for one another? And like, how did you work through the frustrations? Because that, that uh, lack of, knowing the translation would obviously hinder the conversation. And that can be a very difficult uh, barrier to push through for a lot of people. So how did that happen for you two? Yeah, that's true. Um, I remember, I think the first time I spoke a Catalan word to Kike, and I don't know if he remembers this, <laughs> but it was, um, I think, just after I decided to sign up for the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, and I, I didn't know a word of Catalan, or I thought I didn't know a word of Catalan. There, there are quite a few similar words to Spanish, so I didn't know a few. I just didn't know that they were Catalan words. Um, but anyway, for that Day Zero video, you 
you kind of provide a few prompts um, for the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, sort of look up how to say my name is, um, nice to meet you, that that kind of thing. Um, and I, I did that because I didn't know any Catalan. And I remember looking up those phrases and I wrote them down on my phone. Um, and then sort of I was in, we were in a Sainsbury's parking lot <laughs> waiting to go in. This is when the, the queues were piled out the door because it was, sort of early pandemic days um so we were waiting in the car to go in and I just sort of picked up my phone um and <laughs> decided to try out the Catalan that I'd I'd written down and I remember you being really really <laughs> kind of yeah taken aback a bit what's going on <laughs> but also really quite um you were really encouraging which was really nice so it was it was like a, a positive feeling that I put myself out there I guess and um tried it out and and I had a good response and so it was that that emotion I guess spurred me to keep trying that um but I do recognize that it it can be difficult um because sort of for both of you obviously the one learning is sort of struggling to learn and the, the one teaching is sort of struggling to teach and it, it can put a strain on things so I guess my approach was to sort of similarly to what I did that first time was to kind of learn something on my own with a teacher or through a book or whatever it is and then try it out on Kike so I kind of had a bit of background context and things and it was more that I had specific questions that I wanted to ask as opposed to just struggling through a very broad question that kind of could go anywhere which which I think helped and it helped sort of control control those conversations so that they didn't get stressful or too stressful I guess um but I think this is this leads on to quite an important point that I think is important in terms of how you learn a language with a partner. And I think it's brilliant, You've, of course, because you have the best resource in the world. You have a fluent native speaker, sort of 24-hour access, basically, <laughs> to this person who can teach you all these things. So, you know, great, dive in and use that. You're very lucky. However, your partner can't offer you everything um, in, in the world of language learning. For example, I think, Kike, you were talking about it earlier in terms of when I started asking gr grammatical questions and you were not sure how to answer grammatical questions. Um, it's sim similarly, when you ask me some grammar questions in English, I, because I'm a native, I've never had to think about it before, so I don't know how to teach that. Um, and I think it's important to recognise that in in your relationship in your partner of course if your partner is a professional teacher even better but Kike isn't a professional Catalan teacher um so I guess the, my advice I guess is what I'm trying to get to here is that yes go for it however recognize that there are some things that your partner will be brilliant at to help you with learning the language and there are other things where you might actually have to refer to a book or refer to a professional teacher who knows how to explain the intricacies of the grammar and that's okay <laughs> that's just how it works and it's all about bringing that all together so that it's enjoyable for both of you so one of the questions that we always like to ask those who join us on the podcast and I'd love to have um, both your opinion Enrique and your opinion Jesse on what language hacking is to you and I knew this question was coming. <laughs> um, and I, to be honest, I've been thinking about this. As soon as you guys asked me to to do one of these podcasts, I've been thinking about, oh, what, what am I going to say for this last question? And I've got like a whole list of things that I could say. <laughs> but what I'm going to go with is, and bear with me for a second um, with this one, 
if you imagine, this is the scientist in me coming out, um, lagging graphs and things. Imagine a Venn diagram of three circles. And you want to be in, the, of course, that middle segment that overlaps with all three of them. And I think that's where this, this that's how you hack this language learning is being in the middle section. And what those three circles symbolize uh, are, firstly, first circle is motivation. So really understanding why you're learning a language and making that something that not only emotionally drives you, but sort of logically drives you as well, because you can't always rely on the emotion. For me, for example, the emotion, of course, is I want to have a great relationship with, with Kike and his family. And the logic, you know, sometimes you have an off day and that emotion is kind of not there. The logic is there. It's like, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to sort of cook dinner with Kike's mom if I can't speak the language, whatever it is, you know, that's the logical side of things. It's kind of like, okay, this is a logical step to take is to learn this language in order to do all these things. So that's the circle number one is motivation and understanding that for you personally. The next one is tools. So gathering the right tools for yourself. And it's hard to know what they are, but I think, um, you know, you collect up a couple of different apps, different books, um, different videos, that kind of thing. And then you test them out for a decent amount of time, each of them, and you find out which one works for you. And you put, put that into your routine, which brings you on to the third circle, which is routine. And it's figuring out how language learning fits into your daily life, because it is a long term process and it has to fit around your day to day life. Um, so for me, for example, at the moment, I get up at half an hour earlier and I do my language practice before before work, before the chaos of work starts at 9am. I've already done my language practice. Great. So for me, language hacking is being in that, that middle segment of those three things, motivation, tools and uh, structure or routine. And I think consciously trying to sort of tick those three circles off will get you into that, that middle segment. <laughs> I hope that made sense. Yeah, that's a that's a great way of looking at it. I like the scientific approach and the Venn <laughs> diagrams. That's uh, exactly exactly how I would look at it. And uh, Kike, what is language hacking to you then? For me, language hacking means a combination of structure learning and throwing yourself in the deep end. So I believe that initially you need to learn the basics through structure learning. And for that, resources such as books and similars are great. It just helps you in uh, building up a very basic vocabulary, very basic grammar, and understanding of the language which you need. And also, in the, I believe that I also believe that in this phase, you also need to learn to speak a bit. So you definitely need to have some sort of conversations with native speakers. And for that, I believe that, you know, um, apps and courses like this one, this challenge, are uh, great. It allows you to improve your skills. Uh, it makes you uh, adapt to the speed at which you have to think in the, in the language you're learning. And I think it's great. Once you have accomplished this basic learning, then you need to move on to uh, the second phase, uh, which is throwing yourself into the deep end. And then I think that you need to immerse yourself fully. For me, this was moving into England, but some people might find that by just speaking more and more and more with people, with native people, uh, watching 
films or listening to audiobooks i don't know whatever it just it's it just about having exposure to a wide range of topics a wide range of vocabulary a wide range of people which uh, use different expressions and it's there when you actually can start learning not only the language but also the culture and i think that when you reach this level is when you then when you truly truly enjoy and uh, you can grow then in that new environment and language all right so thank you very much for coming on and uh, i guess just a final question for you jesse is uh, what do you think are your upcoming plans for languages um yeah thank you so much for having me um upcoming plans oh, i've got so many plans it's a uh, it's hard to to know where to start really i think for now i'm sticking with um with spanish and catalan because i'm for obvious reasons really really keen to get to a really solid level in in those languages where i just feel comfortable um and it's sort of a bit more easy i guess um so I think for the next year, at least, I'll stick with both Spanish and Catalan. But um, moving forward, as, as we mentioned earlier, I'm quite keen to try something different, maybe French, because um, I think that would open up a number of sort of work, work-related work opportunities that I'm kind of interested in. Um, but also something a bit more exciting. So Korean or Japanese, um, it would be totally different, obviously, from the Romance languages that I'm learning now. Thank you very much, uh, Jesse, for joining us today and Kike. And uh, really appreciated hearing your story. And until the next time, a very happy language learning. Happy language learning. As always, Benny and I like to share something that we took away from our interview. And this is something that is a technique or tool or maybe tactic that you can employ right away in your language learning so that you can experiment with something different maybe this week or whenever you're listening to this episode to see what changes you can make to your language learning and in those changes, what sort of improvements you can find. So, Benny, what was your takeaway from our chat with Jesse and Enrique? So I like it when my concepts in language learning are challenged. And so a, a kind of a long-held um, point of view I've had is that people who have a partner um, and they want to learn that partner's language, generally what I would recommend is that they go off and find a different person to speak to because it's very hard to make that transition when you've already kicked things off in a different language. If you're already speaking in English and you want to start speaking Spanish together, then I would generally say go speak Spanish with somebody else and then come back. But that was challenged today. And I really liked that the two of them supported one another. And the big tip I would take out of this is if you were trying to kick things off with your partner and you would like to maybe start using their language, then I like that they have their own uh, secret language through gossip. So maybe they're able to use this language w with one another in that context. And they're able to keep secrets from people who, who are around them if they're not around other Catalan speakers. And that can be a, a great motivation as one means. And I'm sure people listening could think of a lot of other ways beyond the obvious reasons to learn a language that you could have a, a sort of a secret language with your partner. And that way you could begin speaking with them immediately. And that can be a benefit to you as well as going off and speaking with others. So I really like they they showed me that because uh, I too often see the examples where partners don't necessarily successfully switch a language with one another. And these two were the exception. 
Yeah, for sure. Once you establish a relationship, any sort of relationship in a language, it's very, very hard to change that language. Uh, the secret gossip thing totally works. It also works really well for whenever you're making important financial decisions or just any sort of decision where someone else may be trying to influence you one way. I have an example where I was buying perfume and I was debating between the two and we were discussing the price. And so we switched languages so that we could discuss the price of it and which one we actually preferred because the person, the salesperson was definitely trying to nudge me in a certain direction. And I wanted to have a neutral conversation without them being aware of what exactly we were saying. And so that like gossip and then also private conversations in public spaces in general make for a really great opportunity to start to transition the natural language of a relationship, um, whether it's friends, it's a partner, or it's even your kids. My takeaway was just kind of more on the power of encouragement. Uh, Jesse had mentioned a few times about how encouraging Enrique was to her. And of course, you can't look at your partner and be like, you need to encourage my language learning endeavors more. Uh, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't force someone else to do that. But I think, you know, this comes from all of the minimalism kind of theory I've studied and learned and apply. And with minimalism, if you are minimalist, you can't look at your family or your partner or your kids and be like, you have to be a minimalist too, because your stuff in my space bothers me. <laughs> Instead, what you do is you model. So for me, like showing like, okay, I'm emptying out my closet or I'm keeping all of this organized or look at, I don't have all of this stress of clutter. Then they start to say, oh, that is better. Maybe I want to do that too. And you never push them. You never like really try to encourage them to shift in that direction. Instead, by modeling it and showing how much better it is, you can make like have some sort of influence. And I think the same is true of encouragement. And I feel too that just in general, everyone could probably used to be a little bit more encouraging because especially in language learning, a lot of the time what we look for is feedback and criticism. Like, what can I do better? What am I doing wrong? How can I improve? But maybe just that little bit of extra encouragement. And, you know, if you want more encouragement, maybe model it to the people who are close around you. Like you start because if you're complimenting them, you're encouraging them, you're being positive about the things that are important to them and that they're pursuing, they'll be kind of like, oh, this feels good. Maybe I should do this to people too. So I just think that just that in general, just like the idea of encouragement. So this isn't necessarily something that you can request from other people, but it's definitely something that you can put out. And uh, I think too, when you encourage other people and you make other people feel good, it makes you feel good too. So it just could be something that just adds a little bit more positivity into what you're doing. So that would be mine for this week. All right, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can leave us a review at languagehacking.com slash review. All of the links, resources, and everything else mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes and you can find those in the link in the description. So until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.